What's going on, Whisper Nation? It is Monday, and you know that means another mock draft is coming your way this June 7th. We got a 12-team PPR Superflex Dynasty startup headed your way. Let's do it. Right here. Big Travi, Johnny Game Time Hicks. How are you guys doing today? First mock of June. It's summer's coming. We got mock drafts really getting into full effect. The YouTube channel starting to pop off. Like we are just really starting to get the excitement going. I know we say this every week because it's actually true. Every week we get a little more excited, but like now we're starting to feel it. It's starting to feel a little bit real. I heard Evan Silva the other day say after Memorial Day, that's when the fantasy football season officially starts. And I have to agree, although, you know, not to throw shade at him, but Evan, we've been doing this since February, brother. Welcome in. You know, the next generation comes in and pushes it just a little bit more. Tony Hawk's 900 was incredible, and then, you know, the 1080 got hit, and that's that. So yeah. here we go, pushing in, and we got the next group behind us pushing us, so we never stop until we have to. Johnny, how are you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, hey, you know it's going to be a good day when, like, Travis joins the show giving like the rock on symbol like did you all see that like we're gonna i'll clip that out he was like ready to rock on here you know Uh, you know it's about to go down when he does that because he hates music and so (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness Uh, i just i'm i'm fired up this is a good one we got a couple announcements to make we got the draft kit pre-sale launched i mean austin's gonna tell us all about all this cool stuff going on yeah and i'm do, gonna man. tease it but like th- i'm excited man june is here how, how could you not be and you got me excited about that one we've got the draft kit pre-sale whisper nation um this comes out every year it's fantastic but the pre-sale is going on right now it's launching and it's going to be better this year than it has been every year before this one it's fully loaded with premium player projections rankings consistency charts with over three years worth of data we take this seriously cheat shits cheats strength of cards, <laughs> and so much more uh it's going to come online july 1st for just 15 bucks um, but if you pre-order starting in June, which we are in now, you can get it for the incredible price of just ten dollars. Uh, head over to the fantasywhispers.com to get your kit. That's the pre-sale. Yeah, so, yeah. I know uh, we, we posted that link in, in a couple of the platforms here. So if you're watching and you got the chat there, go ahead and hit that link. You get right over there. Ten bucks. If you're already gonna do it, because I know ten of you are watching right now. Um, and I know you know, probably all 10 of you are going to buy the kit. So if you're going to buy the kit in July, you might as well buy it in June because you're going to get five bucks off. So get over there and get that done. It's just, I think once you get it, you don't need to have any other materials ready for you to go into your draft, to have for your preparation. It's a one-stop shop. You got what you need and do better than your friends. And that's the point, dude. That's why we do it. All Whisper right. Nation. Are we are we ready? We're ready. I just want to give a shout out to Whisper Nation to the whole room here because yeah. we, are, we got a full room. We're about ready to get this started. Want to give a shout out to Jacob Bled, number one fan, Fred Beasy, Jay Blizzy, last year's Whisper Nation listener champ. And that is especially notable because we had last week's best draft as decided on by the fans get a spot into this year's Whisper Nation listener league. We'll get that started as quickly after we start up. But uh, shout out to Jay Blizzy who won last year's Whisper Nation listener league. Uh, league. Uh, Don Flick there in the four spot. Good to have you back with us, brother. The Breezeway at five. Uh, Loopy Data at seven. Uh, that must be Johnny's friend over there. Thomas Slav in the eight spot. Slebo at nine. Broke Slebo. Pajamas at the 11th spot. 
Johnny dropped in the 11, Big Travi at the 6. Let's go ahead and get this thing started. Well, let's go. Why? Jo- so again, uh, Austin, you, you mentioned uh, Cat's Pajamas there at 111. That is the winner of our fan vote. It's official, folks. We yeah. tallied the votes. Cat's Pajamas is that getting was- an entry to the Listener League. That's winner, right. Winner, chicken dinner. That's right. That's right. Um, congratulations, Cat's Pajamas. And we'll go ahead and let, we'll go ahead and connect you with uh, those credentials here shortly. We need to uh, we 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 should get uh, uh, one of those drops at that like air horn drops. That's what we need for whenever a Whisper Nation uh, person gets gets announced. Somebody gets announced to the Whisper Nation League. No, you guys aren't fans of that. Like. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 for sure. We just we're, we're working out our uh, announcements of the big of the big drops on this one. So big, big congratulations to Cat's Pajamas who had a phenomenal, phenomenal draft last year, uh, last week, and uh, won the vote that we put up online. So a big, big congratulations there to the Cat's Pajamas for getting in this Whisper Nation. Uh, uh, listener league. We're super stoked to make it happen. And we got more spots that we will be announcing um, between now and the listener league draft. So make sure you like and subscribe so that you can catch that daily content coming your way. Make sure you like and subscribe yeah, on the YouTube channel. That's our, uh, our, our bread and butter. We love that one. But a lot of great information comes out on Twitter and Instagram. So go ahead and just make sure you've liked and followed there so you can catch the other opportunities to uh, win the contest, enter the drawings, uh, to say the magic words, then be a part of the listener league. Cause it's a really damn good league. Uh, that's right. But this yeah, one, yeah, yeah, we got a, we got a 12 team PPR Superflex dynasty startup mock draft going right now. Big Travis on the clock. Johnny, what are you kind of thinking when we get these drafts specifically going? What's your, what's your plan of attack? Well, I'm going to I'm going to possibly I'm at this end turn spot, so I'm going to have to build my team by potentially reaching on some guys. And so I am not exactly sure what my strategy is going to be quite yet. Uh, I want to obviously look at whatever quarterbacks are available when it gets to me, uh, because there is a long road between my second pick there in the second round and the third. And so I might have to I don't know, like. I've never drafted from the 12 spot in a dynasty league, so I'm not sure exactly what I'm thinking yet. I have to see what's available. Yeah, we did this one, what, two weeks ago? We got the, I mean, the big yeah. question is always, do you take quarterback early or do you wait on it? And we've done a handful of these ones right now. I'm kind of feeling like, I mean, there's definitely a tear drop off. And you, I like the way that, was it Schmitty last week who said almost get that anchor quarterback? I mm-hmm. like that strategy personally. Somebody that you can, you can, Marry yourself to and then take a risk, though, with another quarterback that's less expensive down the road. Is that what you were kind of thinking, Big Travi, there, taking Lamar Jackson with your Yeah, I was between Lamar and Herbert. Um, We've been talking a little bit about Herbert and Lamar uh, in the recent weeks, but uh, I just think Lamar's rushing upside in fantasy is just going to keep him as a super valuable asset. And then if he can improve the passing, which I don't think it's out of the question that he can, um, they've got him more weapons. They're trying to increase that offense. And so for me, it was just the marriage there. And yeah, the anchor strategy with the QB, Austin is a good one. I liked what Smitty did there, but I've been finding in these super flex leagues and now especially with dynasty uh being the situation here this is a startup i want to marry myself to a couple you know qbs that are pretty awesome off the bat if i can um and then build my roster based on that afterwards you know i gotta say with the quarterback positions in dynasty 
Redraft, we take quarterbacks late much of the time, right? And right. in dynasty, though, because of how deep your rosters are, maybe you got 25 slots available, I think it behooves you to grab a middle-of-the-road quarterback more so than it does to grab a middle-of-the-road wide receiver. You know, one of those, like, I'd almost rather get one of those 3,500 passing yards, 20-something touchdown quarterbacks, like a, like a Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins maybe type of guy versus like the third wide receiver on a team just because that quarterback position is so is so valuable and especially in a super flex am I putting too much weight into that to that Travi or uh, I mean I, I like it. I, it it gets weird obviously in super flex you definitely probably want to have get weird let's get weird I think uh I think you want to have the quarterback heavy more than you would normally but in the dynasty startup that we're talking you you want wide receiver as well i just think for me my strategy in this draft and in most of these super flex and dynasty startups is going to be qb and wide receiver young talented qb and wide receiver early yeah. and i can wait on things like that are running back if it, unless something falls in my lap in the third or fourth that's really tasty yeah. but i'm gonna i'm gonna try go early and and young and and just guys that i can marry to myself to for a while as your anchors yeah I like why it. not now, why not have your sorry, Austin, one more thing. Why not have your anchor be the guy that's going to give you the most points on your actual roster? You know, statistically, those are, those are great points, Big Trav. And I want to pivot to Johnny now, who did take one of those young quarterbacks there and Joe Burrow with his first round selection. And I want to preface my question to Johnny, taking some of the information Travis just put down in that we want good young quarterbacks. Dynasty, that's not that's not a, a major epiphany, right? Good young yeah. quarterbacks. Super flex, double speed, in a Charlie's telling you all about it. Like, don't, about even, it. Think, don't even think about going in another direction. Hammer the point home, Austin, is what Charlie's trying to say. <laughs> right. I appreciate that encouragement, Charlie. He's always been a, yeah. a big yeah. fan of the show since the very beginning. But my question now is on that youth side of it, because there's there's like super young and then there's young. And Trav, you took Lamar Jackson, right, who is still a very young quarterback. The man is just 24 years old, but he is coming now into, what, his fourth season? My goodness, it's crazy how fast time flies. And then you've got Joe Burrow, who's a young quarterback. And then we've got super young quarterbacks who'd be like your Trevor Lawrence's and Justin Fields and guys that we haven't actually seen take an NFL snap yet. And Johnny, I wanted to get your take on how big a tier exists in terms of fantasy desirability or fantasy production expectations from that very young, essentially a rookie, we haven't seen him take an NFL snap yet, to young, like a Joe Burrow, who has a part of a season. He, he hasn't done a lot yet, but he has been on the field for a handful of games. To me, I would much rather go with a Joe Burrow who we know can get it done, has seen it, we expect to grow, versus somebody who we're projecting to be you know, the next Andrew Luck times two and Trevor Lawrence, but we haven't actually seen him do anything. And that possibility of a Jamarcus Russell, how unlikely it is, still is a possibility. What's your diff what's your take in that in that difference in tiers between very young, unproven, unsnapped like a Trevor Lawrence and a Joe Burrow who's also very young but has a little experience? I'm a believer in Trevor Lawrence, but I don't know if I want to start my dynasty team off with Trevor Lawrence, you know, because I like I do like to see a little bit of of game film. I mean, just look at it. How many times have we seen these quarterbacks who we thought were bad quarterbacks? And, you know, oh, we'll talk about, you know, Justin Herbert. A lot of people were like, well, yeah. And like, but the, but the big thing last year was that everyone was saying, oh, Justin Herbert's not going to be a good quarterback because he, he was, yeah, he was good at Oregon, but that was the offense. And so, you know, he went undrafted in a lot of leagues 
And we all expected Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow came from this line of success. And so we were all drafting Joe Burrow. Now, did Joe Burrow disappoint when he was playing? He didn't disappoint. We all enjoyed watching him. He put up some good stats. They love to throw the ball there. Their defense is bad. So, you know, I like what I saw. Yes, he's coming off the injury. So there is a little bit of concern there. But every indication is that Joe Burrow is going to be okay for the start of the season and moving forward. Now, when it comes to like some of these other quarterbacks, uh, you know, you have to be careful when you're taking them because we don't the unproven ones, I should say, because we don't we don't truly know. There are people that, you know, have been in this industry forever. You know, these these draft scouts and stuff that, you know, they say, oh, this quarterback's a, a sure thing. And then what do we end up seeing a couple of years later? They end up retiring or, you know, you yeah. could never really truly gauge at what the overall path of a quarterback is going to be. So one, I would go with the stance of like, you better be a fan of that player. And then you also need to take players that you can see the path, the upside and why, and like, why is that upside there? So for me and why I get excited for a guy like Joe Burrow is because we have seen that offense throw a lot and it's not just underneath Joe Burrow, but also like uh, Arthur Smith and his, uh, or not Arthur Smith, sorry, Zach Taylor in his first season threw the ball a lot as well. So uh, you just have confidence in that coaching staff and, you know, you have to play things out in a two to three year span. You can't always be thinking, you know, in 10 years, I'm still going to have this guy because chances are you're probably not unless you have like a Pat Mahomes or, uh, you know, some guys like that. So you got to kind of look at a two to three year window and say, okay, in the next two to the three years, do I think this guy is going to be really good? Or is there a chance for me to slip on this quarterback? I like what you slip on because when we're talking dynasty, we actually aren't just looking for immediate production. Value is much more impactful in dynasty than it is in a redraft because you're going to be sitting on these assets for several years. You're going to have trades. You're going to have draft picks that become available. A lot of ways to make these players liquid, not to associate a human being to some uh, just monetary currency, but in this kind of game for understanding of how it can all move, you know, a guy like a Trevor Lawrence's name, even if he has a bust his rookie year, he's still going to hold value because he's had so much brand value built up in everybody's minds, right, wrong, or indifferently. And so you could have a bust year and still trade him for a premium that second year. So in Dynasty, I'm okay with it. But Johnny, my original question to you about the difference in tiers from a production standpoint of like a Joe Burrow who we've seen a little bit and seen do it versus an incoming rookie that we have high hopes for and comes with a lot of credible people backing him, but we haven't yet seen it, is because we've done so many of these mock drafts and we see people doing some things that are, I think, kind of wild, like taking a Trevor Lawrence over an Aaron Rodgers. Now, that this year in Dynasty is fine, but we've seen it in redrafts, for instance, and it's like, you shouldn't you shouldn't do that. Like, there's no reason to let your excitement for an incoming quarterback trump real production that we've seen recently. The best way to tell where someone's going to go is to see where they've already gone. And so that's why I just wanted to get that point out there. And I'm interested to hear about Travis, who's getting ready to make his selection here. So I don't want I, to. I, mean, uh, I just shoot, I, uh, I do I do want to just mention one other thing too, like. If you are willing to or wanting to take a quarterback that high, like a rookie one, I would make sure that you are like, you know, I would I would make sure that you are are definite in why your conviction is the way it is. Like, for example, and I I bring this up because I did this in our own league of, you know, our own dynasty league, our rookie year. 
where I took Kyler Murray super early and Kyler, Kyler Murray had never played a single snap. But I was so confident in what through watching him uh, at Oklahoma, knowing what system he was going to come into. And also just I also I, I wanted to root for Kyler because I was a, I'm a Cardinals fan. Sure. And so when I and when I added all that up, I came up with a value that I was willing to take. Yeah. And I think that's what what you just need to do. If you like a player, like we said, the most enjoyable part about fantasy football is not winning because actually winning is pretty lonesome. People don't like when you win, when you try to tell other people you win, they don't care. Yeah. The, the best part is when you win with your guys, with the yeah. guys that you actually like watching. That's Most when you players. truly win. So No, you're right. And after everybody has drafted in your league and everybody has the best team that's ever been drafted and everybody's chances of eventual championship are 100% across the board for all members of your league, that's when you're having the most fun. Right. And you're yeah. right. Johnny. You go ahead and you win the championship. You know who in your league wants to hear about it? Nobody. And like you can force it on them and they'll do that because that's part of the that, that's part of the dynamic. But like you're right. It's it's not the most fun part of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, Travi might have some extra words on that one. And Travi, Ooh, there man. he does. There he, he was waiting. He was waiting for oh, that. No, I, I did. I did want to have some hesitancy. I was between him and Ridley, I'll be honest. And that really? obviously we need to talk about the Julio Jones stuff. So this seems like a perfect segue for it. Uh, first, I just want to say we got 17 people rocking with us right now. Appreciate every single one of you. Um, if you guys could hit a like button, because right now we only have seven likes on the YouTube channel. So whatever, uh, whatever platform you're on, you're in there watching. You might as well hit us with a like. We'd appreciate that. Shit, please um, do it. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, AJ Brown, like for me, I, I think there's going to be a debate here and his ADP is probably going to get pushed down. I'll be interested to see where it goes, uh, because this is a guy that I'm not as comfortable taking as a top five wide receiver in, in redraft as I was AJ when Brown. Julio. Yeah, when Julio wasn't there. Right. Um, and it's just because they are basically very similar guys. Um, they're going to be doing a lot of the same stuff. And I think A.J. Brown's probably better right now just because of the way age is working out. But there are going to be times that they'll probably cannibalize each other a little bit. And it, the the top five ceiling for me, um, still there. Top two, the, where, where he was going, I don't know. And then Ridley, man, I just think Ridley can smash uh, this year. But I think it came down to quarterback for me. Matt Ryan's still there, but how for how much longer and much for longer. at what level? And so I, I think I, that's why I went with A.J. Brown. I just see the energy right now behind A.J. Brown. Like the Falcons, to me, if they completely fall out and everything goes to trash and they move on from all of their established players this year, I don't know if anybody's actually surprised by that. And it actually might end up benefiting them to tank as where the Titans are not in that situation. Vrabel's not going for that. Uh, A.J. Brown with all the recruitment videos. Derrick Henry with the, the mythological – uh, positioning that they're starting to give him. It's just such an exciting story out of Tennessee. I don't see yeah. that slowing down at all. It's they've, they've kind of crafted their own unique position. And unfortunately, Atlanta's is pretty generic right now. I think we could it's see so, where, where it could go. And it's, it, it's, it's, it's just really kind of wild uh, what Tennessee's gone through. You thought their window might be closing because they haven't got it done the last couple of years, but they're a good team. And then they saw Corey Davis leave, Jonu Smith leave, their offensive coordinator leave. And you're like, oh, I don't know. Like they could easily take a step back here. Right. And then they grab Julio and you're like, OK, 
maybe they maybe they're trying to extend that window and open it up a little bit more. This offense is going to be something interesting to take a look at. Um, we were looking at some of the numbers off show, and I was you know trying to figure out where they're going to use uh, AJ Brown and, and Julio together because neither Corey Davis nor AJ Brown had a lot of slot snaps last year, um, and so. You know, what are they going to do uh, with these two massive units on the outside? Are they just going to toss, you know, a bunch of, you know, Tannehill playing 500? Uh, so I, I think I like the uh, the prospects for Tannehill, obviously. Um, and I think Julio, I don't know how you could say Julio's value went up. You know, this is a guy who had played with Matt Ryan his whole career. Right. And yeah, there's no way you could say his value goes up, but it probably doesn't take as big of a hit as you might think. I think it's it's going to be a good spot for him. No, you're right. It could, it could stay neutral because this is a top five wide receiver perennially. Maybe he gets more touchdown action. Um, I, I just don't know how, though, you go from such a voluminous offense such as the Falcons led by Matt Ryan to a more thoughtful, pedestrian, run-oriented offense that they have in Tennessee. My question now is from the entire Tennessee spectrum. You know, the, the calling card last year was – get Derrick Henry the ball, right, Johnny? But now when you've got Julio Jones and A.J. Brown, is that the best two wide receiver combo in the NFL right now, even with his age? Because A.J. Brown, we were saying, might be the best wide receiver in the NFL top three right now. And then Julio, he's very, very good. And you put those two together, like I'm I'm probably – if I'm drafting a Madden team, I'm probably taking Julio and A.J. over a Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. I'm probably taking them over. Uh, I mean, maybe Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey are the only two, but that's a tight end, so it's not a fair one, too. Like, is that yeah, and you'd have you'd have your Chris Godwin, Mike Evans conversation. You'd have Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, but I I still think that I'm taking uh, Julio and AJ Brown right now. I just think DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett's another interesting one to throw in there. There's, I, but I, I think I, it is. I think it is going to be the ten. I think it's AJ Brown and and Julio. I know that you know some people are down on Julio because he didn't play all the all of his games last year, and he is you know getting up there in in age. But we've seen. I mean, take it from our own backyard. We've seen a guy who's an aging wide receiver, one of the all time greats, who produced at later years, and you know, and there's, uh, and and there's a could, big track record for it too. Andre Johnson produced late in his career. Randy Moss produced late in his career. Reggie Terrell Wayne. Owens, Reggie Wayne. I mean, there's there's a track record of guys. You know, there's Mr. a lot more Wayne. longevity, a lot more longevity in wide receiver than running back or other positions for sure. Julio, who's so tall. I do want to just bring up this uh, question and shoot it over to you, uh, Johnny. Do you think J.K. Dobbins, this is Ben Schumate. Do you think J.K. Dobbins is being drafted a little too high right now? The Ravens just got Gus a decent chunk of change. So that news came out, Johnny. Yes, can we hold on? Uh, As a I want to thank. I'm so glad, Ben. Thank you for this question. Uh, Can we on this show? Can we can we just get just just a clap to Gus Bus getting paid today? Two years, ten million. Congratulations, my brother! You deserve it, and we are stoked on this show because Gus Bus last year in our whisper hey, in our league, our league of record. Hey, Gus Edwards is, and I said this in uh, our our chat this morning. Gus Edwards is the most underrated running back in the NFL right now. All the dude does is get yards, get 
yards like get buckets you know like that's all he does is get yards man and he's going uh, so late good for this guy also so let me answer your question do i yeah, think please. jk dobbins is being drafted a little too high i do and i have uh you know i've i've been on this for a while you know we've been we've been saying we like edwards gus edwards in there and you know there were, it was a different story last year right because there were these stories that oh Gus Edwards was being you know shopped around right before training camp and and then they had just uh, drafted Dobbins we knew that Mark Ingram was getting old so the path looked really really good so it, was, it, it wasn't a shock as to why Dobbins was going so high early in drafts but now that things have kind of settled a little bit and things have cleared and then they go out and resign uh, Gus Edwards. You that indicates to me that they will actually use Gus Edwards very similarly to how they used him last year. And he actually, this was a little bit shocking. He actually had more goal line carries than Dobbins. He also had uh, he had, I believe, don't quote me on this one, but it, I believe it was either one or two fewer red zone touches than Dobbins. And like obviously you have Lamar there. So if I'm taking anybody in the Baltimore uh, backfield. Besides Lamar, if I get him at the right price, would be uh, Gus Edwards. I'm not touching Dobbins unless he maybe falls to the fifth. I think he has to fall around like the late fourth, early fifth for me to be like, okay, I'll take it because I think the upside could be there. If something were to happen to Dobbins and they just go with the run running back system, who doesn't want to have a piece of the number one rushing offense? Yeah, I want to ask you this one, Johnny, with that. I think those are some great takes. And I saw a pretty cool stat going along the interwebs this last week that was saying J.K. Dobbins led the league in yards before contact and then also led the league in yards after contact. Yeah. And this is a heavy running team. Now, that, now, I wouldn't look too much in that stat. So it's a sexy sounding stat. Mm. It might be a little bit more just well, and it's like Ben's, Ben's point Apple. here, Austin, just echoes that. He says, I'm a huge Ravens fan, and Dobbin was undeniably an efficiency freak. I just don't know if I trust either of them to be an RB1 and RB2. Yeah. So, so uh, right in there with it, like, J.K. Dobbins is obviously very good. This is a good running offense, obviously. But given Jim Harbaugh has shown a history after um, Ray Lewis, or excuse me, um, not Ray Lewis. Uh, Ray Rice. Thank you, Ray Rice, the other uh, the other Ray, <laughs> the other Ray, right? Um, after Ray Rice, we really saw more of a committee approach from Harbaugh, who has very, very good at it. Yeah. Um, but you got Gus Bus averaging over five yards per carry. You've got J.K. Dobbins averaging over five yards per carry. You got Lamar Jackson taking a lot of goal line touches. Are you? I guess Johnny, you kind of already answered this one, and, and Josh, our Whisper Nation champion, uh, got him there in the fifth round. I like that price. But when we look at how many great runners we have over there in Baltimore, does that give you a little bit of pause on the ceiling of a J.K. Dobbins, Travis? Or are you still just gung-ho on the efficiency? No, I can't be too gung-ho. Look, there's two sides to this story. We've talked about how it's a good running offense, and we love that it could be a 1A, 1B. I mean, we've seen it before. The Saints were a great 1A, 1B. You loved being a part of having both those guys. We see the Cleveland Browns. You love having both those running backs. The problem that I have here is the usage through the air for Dobbins. We just did not see a lot of it in his rookie year. We haven't seen this backfield get a lot of catches. Um, I will say that Mark Ingram kind of, 
tip the needle a couple years back when he had a few receiving touchdowns, but we, we need to see that move forward. So I'm hopeful that they can do that and they'll put wrinkles in here because they realize how good Dobbins is. And, you know, you don't want to assume rational coaching if it's an irrational situation. Harbaugh is not an irrational coach. So right. I, I see them actually moving towards something that's really actually exciting there here. I see uh, you guys are trying to trying to catch me slipping over here. <laughs> Oh, it's not even me. Yeah, Woo. I was uh, I almost slipped twice. Uh, I'm like, no. um, so yeah, I think I'm hopeful, but it's hard to be hopeful for the price, the draft price we're having to take Dobbins. But here's the thing: if Dobbins could reach that level, if he gets that, if this is a breakout year for Dobbins, especially in the receiving category, then it's a huge discount because right. we were taking guys like Alvin Kamara, uh, you know, in the first and second round and early in those spots. So. Uh, that or the Nick Chubb, if you're the one a and, and Gus is becoming the B more like it, like they, they just they're paying him good B money because eventually right. they're going to have to pay Dobbins a money. Then that's that's where it becomes a value. I just I, I don't know if I believe in the talent that much. I don't I just don't know if I do it either. And, and like the one thing I just want like to temper the expectations there with it, we talked about Philip Lindsay being a pass catching specialist a lot last year. And then you look a little into the stats and you see that the dude actually isn't getting very much look at all from a pass right. catch perspective. And J.K. Dobbins is a guy to me that when I just think about him, I'd expect to see him involved in a lot of third downs, catching a lot of passes. Not to say he shouldn't be involved in the early down work either. That's just kind of where my mind naturally goes. And I'm looking at his stats last year, and you know he had you know, a lot of weeks where he didn't even get a pass thrown his way. Um, in week six, he had four targets. He had two catches. Um, he hit he never got more than four targets thrown his way all season, you know, and if we just go down the list, no targets week one, one target, four target, two target, three, four. Well, that's that's two. Yeah, it's like that's it's a, a hope and a prayer. With, like you want it to be the there. You want it to be there. You want him to like get the receiving, but we have no <laughs> we have no confidence in saying that's gonna happen because just we haven't seen it. Yeah, well, just, not only that, but like that's what when you have a, a running or a quarterback who can run and is efficient at it, then they tend to do that more than dump off because it's easier for them. They could just pull it down, run and pick up more yardage more often than actually like dumping it off to a running back and hopefully, you know, breaking yeah. a tackle or whatnot. So that's what my main concern on why I just don't see it happening for Dobbins because and there's it's, it's also the room around him. Like the guys that are going around him and we're still talking redraft, you know, like second round uh, mm -hmm. or beginning of the third, the guys, I mean, CEH, Antonio Gibson, acres, all these guys are just guys. I want more than I have more, confidence in their situations and yeah. getting passing down work than I do in Dobbins. I think that's a great point there, Trev. And, I, and the reason why I wanted to kind of hammer home on this J.K. Dobbins bit, and I don't think it'll be the last time we do, is because it's such a hot name for a lot of real reasons. You know, that stat that I mentioned seeing floating around on the internet last week of J.K. Dobbins leading the league in yards pre-contact and post-contact, he's a great runner. But in, when you're making fantasy football decisions, like I want a guy who can really take the lid off. And there's a world where he could do it, but there's so many things that would need to happen. Gus Edwards to not become not a factor at the goal line. Uh, Lamar Jackson needs to no longer become a factor as vulching everything. Um, all the other running backs that will be on the roster that we might not even know exist yet. Like We need to factor that in as well. And Travi, when you mentioned guys like Cam Akers, Antonio Gibson, CEH, there's just a lot more guys with less obstacles in front of them to becoming a true running running back one despite the talent level we all know jk dobbins is a gangster but like you need to have the opportunity to show it and i just don't see enough on the table for that to happen and i see too many things needing to happen for that to become a reality i'm going to be wor 
willing to spend such a high pick on, especially in these redraft formats. Hoping this contract and hoping that, you know, some talk out at camp really drives JK down. You get him yeah. in the sixth, the fifth or the sixth, then you're like, okay, this is worth the upside now. This is worth a guy that could end up winning you a league if, if things break right. But having to take him there and count on him as your RB1 or RB2 potentially is a scary, scary notion. Scary also that we have 23 people watching and still only 12 likes. Guys, help us out here. Get those likes up. Uh, we really appreciate that one. If you could go ahead and hit that thumb um, and allow us to grow this channel. We do it every single Monday, our mock drafts. And goodness gracious, do we love doing it alongside of you, Whisper Nation, without Whisper Nation. It's just us sitting around talking. We did that for years, and we like doing it with you a whole lot more. So go ahead and please hit that thumb. Uh, be a part of the team here and keep it going. Also, give us go ahead and a like and a follow on Twitter and on Instagram where we got a lot of great content coming your way and opportunities to become a part of the Whisper Nation Listener League. Uh, we love that league. It's a really fun one. Jay oh, damn you, Johnny. I almost, I'm sorry, Austin. I, I almost didn't do that one, but all right. Go ahead, yeah, Austin. Well, I wish you hadn't. I almost went TJ Hawkinson instead, but then I was like, ah, am I really going to take TJ over Mandrews? No. Well, I was happy. I was going to be excited to have a double stack there. Would have had me Tannehill to Brown and then and Jackson to Andrews. So I was getting well, real. I was starting to salivate on that one. That one was and getting I, a little. I, I won't lie to you. I got a little bummed at myself because I I knew I would second guess that Chase uh, Jamar Chase double dip. I wanted to go for it, but I was like, oh, I can I as soon as I picked him, I was trying to decide between Michael Thomas and Terry McLaurin. I really liked either one of those on this team and then i was like i i was just like whatever pressure pressure took jamar chase and as soon as i took him i was like oh my gosh i bet you i could have gotten t higgins a couple of rounds later and it would have been just as good of a double dip and sure enough what happens like t higgins is available right now where i could have taken redraft so. this year who has a better year t higgins or jamar chase i I, I'm finishing up my second year uh, wide receiver article that'll post this week. And I just keep looking at T Higgins. And I'm like, I know we love the narrative. It's it's a so much of a wild card with Chase because we don't really see this where a quarterback plays with the guy he played with in college. Like it just doesn't happen. So there's that wild card on on just chemistry alone. But we're essentially asking Chase to do what T Higgins has already established. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, come in and, and play NFL wide receiver and play it uh, being targeted a lot by your quarterback. Right. Now, I think Chase is going to get a lot of those targets that came from A.J. Green, and there's a lot of them on the table, about 100 of them on the table. Uh, but I think T. Higgins is, is going to have a second year in the offense and just going to be a better bet to be the better wide receiver this year. I, I think th there's no question that by the time it's done, it will be Chase. He's just a better talent, and he's going to play with his guy. But I think right now it's like T. Higgins is the better bet for me, and he's the value's better. Yeah, I, I like the value. Time. I like the value, and I like the fact that like Joe Burrow could like I no one on this panel here would be surprised if if both T Higgins and Jamar Chase had near a thousand yards or over you know just over a thousand yards I'll receiving almost, yeah almost almost yeah not and quite. so like when you're when you're that close it's like oh might as well just take the guy that's the better value when you're talking like redraft leagues and but I do like T Higgins like as an overall prospect he was a really good wide receiver last year and I just got into the phone. You know, I was looking at Jamar Chase and then the double dip clogged my clogged my thought process there. So that's what happens. 
Oh, a nice pick there with that huge big Travi. Yeah, once again, not to plug the article again, but just broke down some stats. And Ayuk is a hard one to project this year because we saw three different narratives with Ayuk. We saw Ayuk out there alone by himself. We saw Ayuk with Kittle. We saw Ayuk with Debo. We saw Ayuk with Debo and Kittle. So it's like we have to try and figure out how they're all going to coexist. Mm. And uh, what I did notice is it didn't matter for Ayuk because his metrics, his you know finite metrics like yards per touch and, and yards per target were all still there no matter who played. And so he seems to be the most talented. And then there's the other thing with the QB. We just are, we, what do we don't know? Is it going to be Garoppolo? Will it be uh, Trey Lance? And how, how long till Trey Lance gets in? But another thing that gives me confidence there is we've seen it with Ayuk and multiple quarterbacks last year. So it, it really doesn't matter for me. And I think Ayuk, if there's one guy, look, the alpha is Kittle in this offense. It just, that's the way the offense rolls. But if there's a one guy that you could like, hey, it, there's a chance there could be some upside with Ayuk to take over an X role and actually actually start to get more target market share than Kittle down the line. And yeah. that is an exciting notion. And, and as your wide receiver three, where you're getting him a lot in drafts, I think it's solid. Yeah. I like a take on there. I want to bring up Ben Shamude's question here. If we could get that last one put up on screen. Yeah. He says, it's my first year doing Dynasty, and we are putting rookie picks into the draft pool for the startup draft instead of the players. Does that change the strategy with where you draft the rookie picks? Oh, whoa. It, whoa. So, is he, so basically saying that, they you can draft a rookie spot as well. Like can you can you be like, I'm gonna take the rookie 101 with this pick. Uh, let, ben, let, I let us yeah, know I'm if that's sure what I, Ben, let us know if that's what you're talking about. Because if 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 so, that's wild. That is wild. Because you're talking about a Pandora's box pick. And then, you know what, you know, even before you answer this, Ben, because I'm pretty sure this is what, yeah, yeah, he's saying like. Okay, he said you don't draft Trevor Lawrence, you draft the 101. Okay, yeah, yeah. So here's what I would honestly do. Wait, so do you just draft based on where they're? Do you have like, code? Like it's not Trevor Lawrence, it's 101. Yeah, yeah. And then it's, it's, not Travis Etienne, it's so like 125. All the so all the rookies, it's whatever so they're saying, ranked. No, no, he's saying okay. So all the rookies are instead of like it's a it's a startup draft it's a startup dynasty draft just like we have now but instead of wherever like any rookie so like the Trevor Lawrence pick here in the second at 202 like it would be you know potentially the 101 pick right there that they would take right and so it wouldn't be Trevor Lawrence or just say the 101 and the next pick would be Jalen Hurts so on and so forth all the way till let's see when the next rookie would be off the board oh, they're and doing then the like, they're doing yeah but they're they, but they draft their draft. What he's saying is they're drafting the rookie uh, pick in their startup draft, like wherever oh, the they actual, want to select. They get the actual draft pick right available in the draft. Yes. Yeah, so like one oh five, one oh three, or what? I think that's really interesting. What I would what I would do is this is in all honesty, I would use that as significant trade bait. If you are lucky enough to come up on the board and there is a high draft pick available, I'm shopping it. I'm like, I'll trade down. Anyone want to like trade down? Give me like an extra pick next year or give me an extra pick later on in these drafts and uh, this startup draft. Get an extra pick for somebody else's Pandora box and upsell that. Get some return. 
That's what I would do. I think in general speaking, rookie fever is always so hyped. And it's it's I would I would take a guy who has production and a role on the team versus that excitement. Now that excitement is so fun and you kick yourself hard if you miss out on it. It's just there's so many Jags out there. Jags being just a guy. Like, Dude, so look many. who's my boy, Summy. Summy stopping by. What's up, Summy? Good, Summy. It's great to see hey. you. Hey. Here's our guy, man. Here's our Love guy. You, so I wanted to ask you guys here, unless you're gonna and this is this is mainly because I just it just really turns me on and gets me super excited about it. You know, we're here in round seven right now and i like to go through each one of these rounds and let me know which guy if you were in this real room drafting and somebody took him you'd either go uh or you're like man i was hoping that he was gonna fall a couple more picks until mine like we all know we've all been in drafts that's the best sound in the room when you make a pick and your league mates go oh man i was hoping he was gonna fall to me uh, I'll get this one started there. Um, in the ones in the first round, I mean, there were so many taken, but it's it's Jonathan Taylor. Like if I was the cat's pajamas and I had Jonathan Taylor fall to me, who was just, I mean, last year, top five running back in standard format, number six in PPR. He's 22 years old. He's got a great line. He's playing behind. He looks like the future and he's already the present. Um, and you're getting him that far back in the first round. That one to me was, is, Love McCaffrey, love Cook, love Henry, but we know they've got less shelf life. That would be the first one in that round one that would just get me super excited. And I'd be targeting and hoping. It's funny. I actually, that was who I was hoping was going to fall to me. Uh, And the first was Jonathan Taylor, and then the Cats Pajamas took him right before me. So that would also be my answer. No shocker there for the Cats Pajamas coming right off of his win to get him into the listener league. He's sniping us left and right over here. So, so that one maybe is a little bit, a little bit similar. Let me know if you, if you had a, a strong other con uh, or take on that. But in the, in the second round, Travis, is there any player like who would you be looking at, or who should Whisper Nation be be keeping an eye on? That's a very um, desirable pick. It'll make the rest of their league mates envious, if you will, given the price they got him at. I love the Cam Akers pick. I love that he's right there in the second round. You don't have to pay the premium you're paying for a Jonathan Taylor or an Aaron Jones or something like that with Akers. He's just falling right into the middle of that second round, even in redrafts too. And this, you know, obviously super flex. He went a little bit later, uh, but I think Akers is just like, there's, there's nothing to say that he's not going to give every shot to be the Todd Gurley in this offense with the Rams. And what's obviously he's, you know, not touted as a Todd Gurley talent um, that, Gurley was out of college, but the interesting mystery box to use your term there, Austin, with Cam Akers is that we have never seen a Sean McVay offense with a guy like Matthew Stafford. And we have yeah. not seen what this offense can really do and get to the next level. And Cam Akers has got some potential here to get 10, 12, 13 touchdowns uh, in this offense if it all goes right. So that's the stuff that you really like uh, when when you see that guy. I'm, I'm with you on that pick. And the main reason was I saw Najee Harris here, who's obviously fun. He's the first running back off the board. He goes to Mike Tomlin-led system where he's going to head up the running backs, you presume. <clears throat> but then I clicked and I clicked on Najee Harris. I saw all of his stuff. Looks good. Um, and then I clicked on Cam Akers, who's two years younger than Najee Harris. He's 21. Najee Harris is 23. Cam Akers is 21 years old. Wow. And it's like, he's all, we've already seen him do it. We already know his relationship with the coach. So like, I'm, I'm just loving that. Like as young as you're getting him with the role that we expect to have him on the system and with the coach and with his new quarterback and Stafford, big Travi, like, yeah, 
Yeah, that's a young Yeah, there's dude. just like, it's excitement. We've seen it. There's a track record there. We saw it come on late in the year. He had the injuries, but he played through them, uh, muscled through them and got it done. And, uh, you know, one of the biggest hindrance to like ceiling is a guy like a Gus Edwards or a Malcolm Brown or these guys yeah. that are like a Jamal Williams that are just plotters that are coaches pets that like kind of get in the way. And yeah. Akers doesn't have that anymore with Malcolm Brown. He's gone now. Yeah, you're going to have Henderson. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's something he's asking right there. Does Henderson scare you off Akers slightly? No. And, and he, the reason he doesn't is because we saw that Henderson is a. Uh, Henderson is not going to be an overall back. He's not going to be a guy. He's going to be a change of pace guy. Like there's, I loved Henderson coming out of college. He had a lot of juice on tape. Acres is the all around guy. Like this is a guy they wanted in the system to do the all around stuff. And they showed it down the stretch. And now McVay has done nothing, but basically say it's all his to lose. Like this is his backfield. So really think that acres is, is the guy and, and you're getting him in the second round. And some of that risk is baked in. I love that take there in the second round and Big Travis making his pick. Johnny, did you have a, a take in the second round? I wanted to ask your opinion here on players in the third round. A ton of great wide receivers there, especially. Let me check out this third rank. I was uh, like, well, you're taking a look at it, and, and Travis making a selection of guys like Metcalf, Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, AJ Brown, Ridley, even CEH, your boy CeeDee Lamb, who you took. Like, there's some sexy names there in that third round and some like young guys who have produced who look to do even better next year that went late like dk metcalf justin jefferson ridley yeah that whole that whole round is just glorious like that's such a nice like if i walk away with any of those wide receivers or uh well i don't know if i'd be a fan of ezekiel elliott uh in dynasty i mean in the third round that's pretty good value i think Ezekiel still has you know two to three years left he'll take a gibson uh, or I take Gibson over Elliot, but like I get it. Yeah, and I do you say Gibson or or Mixon? Yeah, Gibson. Uh, I would take Gibson, and I would probably take Mixon as well in a dyn- in a dynasty league. Uh, but yeah, I think I mean the only questionable uh, and essentially like cat's pajamas going a little. Uh, I mean, he usually yeah, yeah. will switch it up, which is which is good. But I don't know that I would. I wouldn't have went this way. Like I wouldn't have taken Trey Lance here. Um, and I wouldn't have taken Justin Fields. The problem is, is that you have three quarterbacks that are all rookies. And we just know from history that at least two of those guys aren't going to pan out. Like it's just sure. reality. It's like, so um, that's the only third. Junk, though. Like which one of those receivers gets you the most excited? It's a glorious round, but who if taken would make you go, Oh man, I was really hoping I was going to get him. I I like them all. Like I think they're all like I really don't. I've I've grown to not super attached to one player. That's so smart. it's re- in reality, it's like literally if you walk away, those guys are all in the same tier for me. Yeah. I I think if you walk away with one of those guys, you should be happy. You should be being like, I got a wide receiver one. I agree, and I'm even on board with Ceh. I I think he's going to have a a good second year with that improved offensive line and no real running back talent added behind him. But now that Travis made his eighth round selection in the beefing up DJ shark, I'm wondering if you Travis have anybody in the fourth round that who's the highlight player there in the fourth round that you think was just a steal or a really exciting player you would have loved to have on your squad there in the fourth. Round. I think the Darren Waller pick was one I wish was I hoping know. I could just get to. And I was just a couple picks away from it. Waller just being, uh, you know, such a, 
a focal point of that Raiders offense, young, talented, just really showing out. And um, yeah, I just kind of, that was exciting to me. Aaron Jones is another guy that's exciting. And then Johnny's Jamar Chase, honestly, was really exciting too. I, I'm a big fan of Chase and we talked a little bit already, but I'll just say it again. Like <laughs> the fact that we haven't really seen this, a prolific talent in Jamar Chase, like Jamar Chase would have, you know, a lot of people think he would have been the best wide receiver coming out of last year's draft if he would have been eligible. He came out in this year's draft. Everybody thinks that it was him and then everybody else kind of like Jamar Chase was the top guy and then everybody else. So if we think he's a transcendent talent, generational, all that stuff, and then you're going to go with another generational talent in Joe Burrow. So you're getting matched with a generational QB and then that generational QB has played with you before. So you already have chemistry down. That's like the biggest problem you would have with a rookie wide receiver or a wide receiver uh, and a quarterback. We, We cannot overstate chemistry enough, I feel like, in the NFL. And this is a really exciting situation for me. Jamar Chase coming into all these three, like these three perfect pillars are all aligning for him. And I, and I think it's just really exciting. And I'm excited to see that offense. If they can keep Burrow healthy, this offense should hum this year. Mm-hmm. I, I love that take on that one, pairing up such a talent with a talent who already has the history. And yeah. I think it's a fine selection there in the fourth round, even of a rookie startup. I, I think yeah. that's a a great value pick there. I want to throw in my name on this one for that fourth round would be Antonio Gibson. If I'm mm. sitting there in the fourth round and I've kind of held back on running back or I see a guy like Antonio Gibson who here's how I evaluate him. We've got a 22 year old second year guy coming in who doesn't have any real competition behind him. This team should be better. I love what his head coach and Ron Rivera is about. I love Ryan Fitzpatrick, what you expect for him to be able to bring in terms of a getting first downs perspective. And this is a guy who was the RB12 in standard, RB13 in PPR last year. He's still just 22 years old. He had over 1,000 yards last year with 11 total touchdowns. So I'm looking at a guy right here who's a young focal point at the running back position. If I'm getting him in the fourth round, I'm like, I just I just got to steal. Jamar Chase might be the – I like what you're saying there, Jam- this guy was like the last like steal steal. Well, and I took Gibson there and I, that was exactly the line of thinking. I've waited on quarterback yeah. for three rounds. Here's a here's a very shiny piece. I didn't even notice you X, took. Yeah. X wide receiver. No, but you like your thought process that it was exactly mine in that case because it was like, OK, I could go young wide receiver again here. But let me see if I can't just try and anchor my running back core with a young guy who has an ability to break out. The only thing I don't like about Gibson uh, is that he scored a lot of touchdowns. And so those touchdowns. Touchdowns are fluky. They're probably going to regress a little bit. But what I love about Gibson is he has so much room to grow on the receiving end, and he's an ex-wide receiver in college. Yeah. He only had 30 carries as a running back in college. So what did they do last year? They basically gave him all running carries. They didn't give him a lot of passing work. They let J.D. McKissick pick that up mm. so that they could get him very confident in his ability to be a running back. I love that. And then this year, they can start giving him more of the offense, more trust. And, uh, you know, Gibson, the only thing that scares me off Gibson for redraft is we been talking about his toe for a couple weeks now and he's saying like the toe is something that's been you know has it or like been lingering around for me this offseason but you know there's some pretty smart people on twitter uh doctors that are telling me that you know are telling twitter basically that most likely scenario is you know he's going to be fine uh he just needs to manage it so listen to what gibson says he's been very honest with the media and we'll continue to tell you what he's saying but that's something to keep in mind i would give you the pause there and maybe paints a clear picture of why he's fallen a little bit down. Right. My folks are putting a, a slight pause on him. Well, Travis just made his ninth round selection. I want to know Johnny's take here on that subsequent round, round five, where Sanders, Tom Brady, J.K. Dobbins, Travis Etienne, Baker Mayfield, Mike Evans, Austin Eckler, 
Allen Robinson, Dave Montgomery, Kyle Pitts, Tua Tagovailoa, and DJ Moore were taken in that fifth round. John, you went with DJ Moore. I love that pickup um, for the 24-year-old blossoming wide receiver. But were there any other players in that round that you thought were steals or were just really great selections that if were taken in your your draft and made you go, damn, I really wish I could have gotten that guy. Yeah, it was uh, David Montgomery, actually. I was really hoping David Montgomery was going to fall to me. Uh, Slebo, uh, he, or Slebo, Slebo, uh, he drafted him three picks before me. I was really frustrated with that because I think that David Montgomery is still being slept on. I, I, I don't, I don't think people truly understand or I mean, I understand they're not confident, right? Because he majorly disappointed his first year, but I don't think people truly understand what and how they are using David Montgomery and how if, how good he is, how good he actually is, and how they actually do want to use him. Yeah. The big the big case in point that people like to say is that whole like, oh, well, you know, he got the usage and I don't expect him to get the usage that he got last year. He only got all that usage because he, he had uh, nobody else to compete in that backfield. And then you also have the fact that he had this really simple schedule. Yeah. Well, I got I mean, there's two things. If you actually break it down when and you and you look at the stats, David Montgomery only had um, he ended up having 40, 40 overall touches more than he did his prior year as a rookie. And so, yeah, of course, some of that was uh, an uplift that in the receiving passing. work. That includes huh. pass. He only had five right, right. rushing. Exactly. He got, yeah, he only had five. That's the thing is like, he only had five few or five more rushing attempts. He had uh, an abundant amount of, uh, uh, of receiving work, but that was what he was good at as well coming out of college. And so when you look at this system and, you know, I was, I was mentioning this last year and why I thought the bears could turn it around last year. Their big problem was the offensive line and the tight ends on the offensive line and how much they use them to block. They didn't have blocking tight ends, good blocking tight ends. Now they have had Cole Clement for a couple of years. You saw how much he heavily increased the running uh, ability of a guy like David Montgomery last year. And so I think that that will only continue to improve. And I think you also look at people say, oh, well, Cohen wasn't there. He was injured, right? But if you look at how they use Patterson, they gave Patterson the exact same carries that you saw from Tariq Cohen the prior year in 2019 when he went off. He had the same amount. He gets about seven yeah, but to it's, nine. It's, for me, it's not the carries that I'm worried about Cohen coming in and, and, and inhibiting against Montgomery. It's actually the, the passing work. And that's not something that they gave Patterson a bunch of because Patterson really isn't going to be a Tariq Cohen. He's not going to be that kind of weapon. I and the other the only other thing is that I look, I love Montgomery and I think you're getting all this baked into his ADP. I just need to say that. I think he's going in a great spot in redraft and what we're talking about him here. They're just that's there's a reason why he's going there and that's because both Williams and both Cohen are threats to his passing down work. Bottom line, they are. They both are guys that are passing down backs. Can he be the all-around guy? I'm sure he can. I'm sure that he has now proven in the back half of last year that he's good enough to do it. And if Nagy is going to be a rational coach, which we've seen him be very irrational in the red zone before, then you think that Montgomery is going to be just fine. So that's my thing on it. I'm okay with David Montgomery too, and I'm with Johnny actually on this take of being the one player that I'm going. Damn, I wish I, I wish I would have had a stab on him. Mm. And the reason goes back to what we talked about there in round two, actually, where Najee Harris is 
being a lot of excitement surrounding this guy, rightfully so. But I'm looking at it as these guys are pretty comparable, actually. Najee Harris was the first guy taken in this year's NFL draft. David Montgomery was taken after Josh Jacobs. wasn't taken. He still has pretty good draft pedigree from where he was at. He's 23 years old. Najee Harris is also 23 years old. The difference is that David Montgomery last year had a thou- over 1,000 yards on the ground and over 430 yards in the air. So we're looking at a guy who already has a near 15 – he had 1,500 yards, actually. He had 1,500 yards last season and 10 touchdowns. And I don't think there's a lot of reason to think that production is going to scale back. On he fewer had, goal line carries. On fewer goal line carries than he had his rookie goal line year. Carries. So we're looking at a guy who's similar in age has already had a great year, an RB1 year, and I don't think there's a ton of reason to think he's going to do a lot worse. You're getting guys who I think project somewhat similarly, maybe a difference of like 25 to 50 points over the course of a 17-game season, and you're getting a David Montgomery many rounds later. So I I think he's a a sneaky one, especially in these dynasty formats. Um, Uh, Boys, we got a question here that we can all answer for, for Justin here. He says, why would you take Julio Jones in a startup dynasty that high? It makes no sense. And, you know, Justin, we'll just tell you what our motto is on this show. It was a total reach for your guy. <laughs> yeah, we do say that. We do, we say, do that. say that. We I don't like know. to have fun here. So you, you mean in dynasty, you're playing for the future, but you have a championship this season also. Right. Yeah. And year one championship counts just as much as year five championship. So you balance it out. You build for the future. You also build for the present. And he, to me, is still a good win now piece right now. I'll actually be honest with you. It actually made sense that he kind of, well, I mean, there are good wide receivers here, but looking at his roster, he would kind of be more so in this win now mode uh, because he's got Rogers. He's got, uh, you know, Hunter Hen- or Derek Henry, who we think could potentially be near the end of his, you know, dynasty, uh, you know, dominance life. We'll, we'll see. Um, and so it is a little bit interesting. Like he is, he is definitely drafting as a, I want to win now kind of player. As opposed yeah. to being like, I'm going to, you know, draft more like I'm drafting a lot of assets, right? Like you look at my team, it's younger, it's building for the future, right? Like I could <laughs> compete done. this year. You look at my but team, I, it's younger, it's better. It looks, no, it looks good. No, it's I'm not, not, I'm not saying it's better. Not. I'm just, I'm just saying I had a different, like people can have different strategies when it comes to dynasty and the startup draft. That's why it's really fun. Cause you could have a guy that's like, I'm going to go for it this year. And like, if I don't, then I'll restart next year. I'll blow it up. Walker Bass in here says, Hey, Sam, what's up, Walker? Good to see you, brother. Good to see you here. Good to see everybody here in Whisper Nation. If you haven't hit that thumbs up, please do. It sends a signal out to the algorithm that we're worth watching. And we'd love to have Whisper Nation grow and draft alongside of you, answer questions. We just freaking love this so much um, and would love to grow it alongside you. So go ahead and hit that thumbs up, like, and subscribe if you haven't done so already um, 25 rocking with us austin big big ups to these peeps man yeah, yeah showing out today warm weather people feeling good feeling loose the I sun like- is shining the draft board is clean the draft board is clean i want to try to get through but i want to try to catch up to our current position we're finishing the 10th round here um big travi we we identified here in our fifth round in the sixth round same question who's the standout player in that sixth round that you're just like damn this was a steal or i would have loved to have this shiny piece 
on my team in the sixth round there were Gaskin, Carson, Higgins, uh, Smith, TJ Hawkinson, Brandon Ayuk, Mari Cooper, Mike Carter, rookie there, Julio Jones, veteran there, Josh Jacobs, uh, Williams, Denver running back, and Mark Andrews were taken in that round. Who stands out to you, Big Travi, in that sixth round? Yeah, again, Johnny with the Mark Andrews pick here has really got me excited. I just think that Mark Andrews is a guy 25 years of age, tied to the quarterback in Lamar, who Lamar loves him. This is a guy who can easily, uh, you know, be just a guy that's going to be consistently good for a long time, at least for four or five more years, uh, getting peppered with targets from his guy, Lamar. And if they can improve the offense around him, I think that only benefits uh, Lamar and um, and uh, Mark Andrews is like long term uh, longevity there. So that for me, I love Mark Andrews and he's a friend of the show. So and he's a friend of the show. Love that one there, too. How about you, Johnny? Is there anybody real quick there in that sixth round that really makes your heart sing? T Higgins, I know we brought him up before. Oh, and I well, and I will say I'm also a fan of of Tyler uh, Hawkinson. I think that he is going to be one of the top four tight ends within the next yeah. uh, like for the next you know five years. I think he'll be in that conversation, top five, top four tight I ends in the league. One. I love that pick there of the TJ Hawkinson, Johnny. You've talked about it so much of the likelihood of a rookie tight end popping off. I mean, we've had Cal Pitts be such a hot name. It's barred that conversation or, or demanded it and you've done a really great job breaking down and tj hawkinson another highly touted tight end coming out whose rookie season at 367 yards through the air sophomore year on still an injured leg 723 yards uh, goes from two touchdowns to six touchdowns and i think we see a bump a continual bump up i think he's gonna get a lot better so i think tj hawkinson is like almost a lock for a top five tight end finish next year and he's only 23 years old. So he came into the league young, and he's coming in year three now with already experience at just 23 years old. I love that take there. Um, moving down here into the seventh round where we saw Trey Sermon, Travis Boy, Robert Woods, Deshaun Watson, Jalen Waddle, Carson Wentz, Chase Edmonds, Matt Ryan, Jameis Winston, Tyler Lockett, Cooper Cup, Kareem Hunt, and James Robinson taken off the board. Um Big Travi, I know you got your pick coming up right now, so I'll ask Johnny first and then come back to you. Johnny, who is the standout there in round seven? I I am intrigued by Big Travi's Chase Edmonds pick because if Chase Edmonds ends up balling out this year, which I do think yeah. he can do, uh, then I believe that the Cardinals will re-sign him and he could have a really good – I mean, the Cardinals' offense is one of the best – uh, offenses to have a piece of right and to have the running game on that we do know that Kyler Murray does pull and he does run the ball however it was really interesting I was looking at some stats and in general we do know that the quarterback position when you are a scrambling quarterback you do not tend to you know uh, check dump down to your, dump it off and but the uh, interesting thing is when you look at Kyler Murray, he's actually been the opposite. He's actually been a quarterback that does it above average. Uh, he dumps off to the running back position. And I'm doing like a little case study. It will be on our fantasy take five for this uh, this week. A little hint, hint for those that are uh, get that show. Uh, but yeah, so it, it is interesting that he he's kind of a guy that I'm I'm looking at a lot of people in the industry. It's it's so funny to me. And, and, and like looking at the landscape of like what people think of and what they're projecting. And when you when you see 
that information and then you pair it with some information that you get from like beat reporters and stuff and it just doesn't match and so you tend to look into it a little bit more and 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 chase edmonds is going to be one of those running backs this year because the fantasy industry is so uh high on the fact that they think that that james connor is actually going to get that Kenyon drake role when that's not at all what's going to happen they're going to give chase edmonds that Kenyon Drake role, that 1A role, because they want to see what they have in him because this is the final year on his contract. And yeah. so uh, and he's been able to produce in limited action when he's been given the the workload. And so I think that this is where you're going to see it. You already saw Kyler, too, come out on on his own uh, Instagram and had uh, a picture of Chase Edmonds. And it was like RB1 season. Let's go. And it was like, I, so all these things are indicating to me that they, and they, I've also heard they want to use, uh, they brought James Conner in as the short yardage guy, the between the tackles on hard tackles kind of running back. And so to me, that spells that he's going to get about 35% of the carries. You have Kyler getting about 25% of the rushing workload, and then you're going to get uh, Chase getting the vast majority of the rest. Yeah. So it's about 50%. Yeah. That almost, I like your take there, John. I know you're on the clock now, so I'm going to move oh, it over thank here you. To, to Travis point, but I like what Chase Edmonds had also said qualitatively speaking of this is my shot. I've been waiting in the NFL for several years to get the workload. I know what's on the table for me and I'm ready to take advantage of it. And Hey, if you get a guy like that in the seventh round, he, yeah, he's 25. You might not have him for like eight years, but you might get a starting running back for a very good team for, you know, a couple of years. That could be really mm -hmm. good. Um, big Travi, while Johnny's on the clock here, we're making our way, we're getting caught up here. And in the eighth round now, where Kenny Galladay was the first player off the board, followed by Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, a couple of Pittsburgh wide receivers back-to-back. -back. Your boy Daniel Jones, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, DJ Chark, Mike Davis, Odell Beckham, Kirk Cousins, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Adam Thielen were gone. Travi, who's the standout to you there? Who's the guy who slipped or the shiny piece that you wish that you had been able to get on your squad? I'm going to do a hybrid here. I think it's either Chase Claypool for me or OBJ in this uh, eighth round. Uh, OBJ is a guy that we've seen it and then never saw it again. Uh, and then Chase Claypool is a guy we've seen flashes. I think that OBJ, if he can just stay healthy, there's no reason second year in this offense, second year for this offense to take a step forward, more time for Baker to get even more comfortable with a run-heavy scheme. And then you got OBJ going over the top with it, play action. This could be a big year, a Stefan digs like year uh for obj this year if all things could break the right way and so that and you get him in the eighth and, and he's going you know in redrafts i think in like the sixth or something like that so i think this is a situation where i like i just like the value uh and then chase claypool man just a big bodied wide receiver that can get down the field if ben can get a little bit better at getting accurate with the deep ball he wasn't there last year after that surgery then you really like claypool i think the problem with claypool is after ben what is there you know they've mason rudolph and dwayne haskins don't inspire any confidence at all all right and i love those two picks there i like to chase claypool because he's got a huge ceiling that we don't yet totally know what it's about odell beckham we've seen his ceiling and it's phenomenal we just haven't seen him reach it in quite some time um, but just a little bit of context there on obj the man's first three years in the nfl he had 1300 or better yardage season 1305 1450 1367 first year or then uh, his fourth year then in new york um, just 300 
and two yards. Uh, but the next year, back over to 1,000. And then first year with Cleveland, back over 1,000 again. And then last year, just 319. Lots of injuries, lots of weird stuff. But I love you selecting him as one of those guys because he's 28 years old. Mm. He's shown us what he can do. He's shown us what he can do multiple years. It's just like, are you going to stay healthy? And are you and Baker playing nice? I think there's a lot of reasons to think they will. And that Claypool one's a really good, really good ad there too. Uh, Johnny, real quick, do you think Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool in redraft leagues are the better Pittsburgh wide receiver to roster? Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool? Is it a PPR or PPR redraft? I think I would. I have I have Deontay slightly higher than Chase Claypool um, in redraft if it's like a half PPR because I do still see him getting you know the 150 targets, 140 targets because I'm not super confident in Big Ben's arm. Like he does try to push it down there, but we'll see if that will get better, you know, and if they get that offensive line a little bit better, he gets a little bit more time. Then you could really start seeing things open up for Chase Claypool. But I have, you know, I want to go with what I know. And I know that Big Ben likes to get involved with that wide receiver. You know, he's a possession, the, you know, Antonio Brown, we know what that is in that system, and that that's valuable. Now, yeah. Deontay did have some drops, but he did also get better as the season went on. It was a lot in his head. So I think when I'm when I'm talking about it from that range, that's where I'm at. But I absolutely love the value on Chase Claypool. I think I think his value is is great. So I'll probably have a, a good amount of both on my on my roster this year. Yeah, that's a tough one for me, man. And I just need to dive a little bit deeper in those two because they're so physically different. Deontay Johnson does have the superior rapport with Big Ben and has produced uh, better numbers, but Chase Claypool is the superior physical option by a lot of metrics. We're talking four inches taller, 6'2", versus 5'10", in Chase Claypool, and 45 pounds bigger, according to the sleeper metrics here, with 227 pounds versus 181 for Deontay Johnson. So this year, for sure, moving forward, tougher to say, a lot of variables need to be addressed over there in Pittsburgh. Uh, but I appreciate that breakdown, Johnny. That one's really good. And I'm hoping you can do me a favor. Oh, here, Corey yeah. Dean. This is San Francisco. Eight quarterbacks yeah. off the board through round the, six. Super I, I didn't. Yeah, no, I didn't have it all. Uh, I didn't have it all showing. So yeah, there were more than eight quarterbacks off the board before round six. It was just uh, not scroll down. But um, and then he's wanting to know where Travis Etienne went. He went five oh four to Don Flicked. Joe. Right after J.K. Dobbins. Yeah. No, About man, to I'm close sure. out the twelfth round here, boys. Yeah, man. Darnell Mooney was just selected. The internet's number one. <laughs> I can't wait to see, to see what happens. Um, quick. Is take. he number one in your heart? No, he's no. not. Well, but he's like he's cool. He's fine. Like I got nothing <laughs> against the man. I'm excited to see what he's about. But a lot of pressure. The internet's going to be putting on this man's shoulder for him and Justin Fields to come together. But there's a lot of reasons to think it's going to happen. There's a lot of reasons to think that it's going to happen. Um, Big Travi, I loved your take there. And uh, in the eighth round, Johnny, in the ninth round, any guys quickly who jump out to you that are standout players in this dynasty startup that if you're preparing for your real one, these are some guys that might make the rest of your league mates envious, whether it be Debo Samuel, Rashad Bateman, Noah Fant, who I know Josh was super stoked to get. He made a comment about it in the in the chat. Curtis Samuel, Brandon Cooks, Goder, Tunyon, A.J. Dillon, Logan Thomas, Ronald Jones, Michael Pittman. Rondell Moore, is there anybody there in that ninth round that makes you go, damn, I wish I had him on my squad? Debo. I, Debo. I'm, a big, I I'm, a, say Debo. I'm a big fan of Debo. So, um, especially in a PPR. One, but we're not really saying he could be, but he could be. 
No, it's not that I think he'll be he'll be the number one for San Francisco. I I think that is Brandon Ayuk, but I do know that how they want to use him, and I do know that you know once I once again this is a PPR dynasty league, and so that gives you um, a lot when you're when you're talking about guys that they want to just get the ball in their hands, and that's and then let him go, you know, let him do the work, get him behind blockers because he's a yak monster and he can break tackles. I like guys like that. They produce in fantasy football. They're consistent. Yeah. And so that's why I like him. I like his value. But I do still think, you know, if I'm if you're like, all right, you can have one or the other. Do you want Brandon Ayuk or do you want Devo Samuel at the same price? Or like that you just have to choose one. Then if it's that is, you know, is is the question, then I'm going Ayuk. But that's if you're saying value. Yeah, if you're saying like build in the uh, these other factors and then which one would you take? It would be like, give me the better value. I'll go with Devo. No, I feel that one. Travis. Ah, Travis, you, you, that was horrible. Why did you do that? Johnny, and he's talking about Travis. Well, you got me twice already, and now you're going to, you're going to give me a hard time for I the 13th waited. round. I, I waited, I waited on grabbing him because I took Parker because I was like, oh, there's no one's going to take Stevenson like within the next round. Of you course, Travis does. Of course, Travis does. I yeah. want to jump, I want to skip my question that I was going to ask Travi about his take on. The- well, I just want to say quickly, if I can, also, I just want to give some spotlight to our boy Robert Tunyon in that ninth round. And that's because LaFleur just came out last week saying that he wants to feature Tunyon in this offense. And that Robert Tunyon is the most improved player since he became the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. Wow. So a little bit of puff and hype piece there. But we already saw this guy score a ton of touchdowns. We get Aaron Rodgers back, hopefully. Even if Jordan Love comes in, you get a situation where rookies love tight ends uh, because it's a safety net. So there's some situations there that I like with Tunyon, and he's in a he's a an ascending player who works out with George Kittle, and is just like it's just a lot of good things going his way. Yeah, well, that's that's a great take in there. Actually, I'll, I'll pause my reminder until we get to then to the 13th round because I do have a legit question. But Travi, I want to Johnny's got his pick in the 13th coming up. Great take there on Tunyon in that 10th round. Um, is there a player that stands out that you you think that draft rooms would love to have drafted or that people were hoping was available the next round there in the 10th where Harris, Chanel, Gordon, Brown, Rager, Tyler Boyd, Marshall, Jones, Fournette, David Carr, each one more, and Tony Pollard were taken? There's just it, it gets really fuzzy. The goggles are on here. You know, you got guys that with like ceilings that are, you know, unknown. We, you know, Marquise Brown is a guy that I think if the offense were to improve, if Lamar could improve, Marquise could be a, you know, top off uh, guy that doesn't have to be the X this year, could just be a guy that wins you weeks with big plays. Um, but I think really for me, LaVisca Chanel, especially in dynasty startups, um, especially after the discount that you're going to get him because Jacksonville's been so bad. You know, if you got Urban Meyer coming in there saying DJ Shark wasn't, you know, big enough, like LaVisca Chenault's a big dude. Like he's a big bodied wide receiver. They can use him all over the place. And they have LaVisca, you know, the wide receiver coach saying they want LaVisca to be more of the X wide receiver this year. They want him to use, you know, use him as more of that big guy. So for me, I like I like Visca. I'm I'm still team Visca. I think people you're gonna get him at a discount because, you know, his one, you know, his rookie season wasn't as good as everybody wanted it to be. But I think he's got some stuff still brewing there. No, I love that take right there. Um, Chenault and Brown, kind of similar ceilings. They haven't done it yet. You're hoping that they will. But you make a good case of why Chenault would be the premier over those two guys who are otherwise pretty similar. 
Um, Johnny, you just got done making your 13th and 14th round selections. I'd love to get your take here on the next round there in 11, where Alexander Madison, Zach Moss, Will Fuller, uh, Smith, um, Robbie Anderson, Raheem Mostert, James Conner, Kenneth Gainwell, Amon St. Ramon, Ramon, Brown, Mike Gusecki, and Corey Davis, and your guy Gus Buss was taken in the 11th round. Which players in that 11th round or steals or standouts or guys that you wish you were able to roster? I mean, besides the Gus Buss, of course. Uh, I would probably, I, I do like Mike Gusecki, who, uh, I don't know if you guys saw the clip or not, but uh, Travis Kelsey, he was on the show and he, he was asked, name the top five tight ends in the league right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, he put Mark Andrews on there, Mark Andrews. But the other one uh, that was kind of a shocker to a lot of people uh, was Mike Jacecki. He said he loved Mike Jacecki. Yeah. You uh, talked so, about him last year, how physically freaky he really is. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think he'll run as many. I mean, it'll be interesting how they do run him because he ran so many out of the slot and so many uh, routes out of the slot last year. They kind of use him as a wide receiver on the outside, too because they didn't really have any other deep threat. So with him going back into like the inside, being able to take advantage of more mismatch, it'll be interesting to see how him and Tua's relationship works. But, you know, there are more mouths to feed now. So that is a little bit of a concern with Joseki, but we'll see. He definitely has the athleticism there. No, I love that take on there. Um, and Travi then in the 12th round you're making your selection right now so i'm gonna have my build up be a little bit slower for you on the <laughs> one, but i love my the 12th round selection here where sam darnold darnell mooney devin singletary uh Joni smith jarvis landry evan ingram michael gallup chubba hubbard errol henderson Kenyon drake jamal williams monte parker were all selected it's getting thinner but there's still some diamonds out there or at least lotto tickets guys that are Question marks, but do have high ceilings with a ten thousand dollars scratcher on there. If you're lucky, who in this round, Travi, uh, makes you raise your eyebrows? Who gets you excited? Who do you wish that you would have been able to to get a scratcher for? You said the twelfth, right? Or That's right. Looking? Yeah. Okay. Um, Daryl Henderson's one that could, you know, should something happen to Acres, his ceiling gets really high. I, I don't want to bu- uh, like pump up my own pick just for the sake, but I really like Evan Ingram. I think he's getting slept so on. I know he's going so late in drafts right now. It's it. This is a guy who's been top five as a tight end. Uh, a rookie tight end was top five. Okay. He's super athletic and a guy that like people are just like, oh, well, the Giants suck. He's been injured all the time. There's no way like he's going to be good, bro. This is the this is the value you want right now, because this is a guy that could easily return so much value on it. So for me, uh, I think it's just it's just a, a no brainer uh, for Ingram. And so I don't mean to pump my own pick, but I really do like the Ingram in that how far down Evan Ingram has fallen. It's like we, cause he doesn't have a new injury and it's one of those things. If he, if he is healthy, the, I know we, they signed Tony. I know they've got Slayton. I know they got a bunch of all these meh other options. He's got the Holiday. most. So to me, Evan Ingram is still got a pathway to being the number one option on this team. And he's 26. He was young coming in. I just, I'm with you on that one, especially with how late, He's being going, getting going here. I'll tell um, you where it, where it has yeah. to come up for Evan Ingram, where it has to, where it, where he's lacking. And this is, it, it's it's the touchdowns. Like you look at what he did. What's funny is like he broke onto the scene t- 2017. He finished as a tight end four in PPR, tight end five in standard, which was, you know, not many tight ends have ever done that, right? Um, their rookie year. But then 
And his best finish, tight end 13 in PPR. But like last year, he saw 109 targets. But the problem was is, uh, and, and when you look at, when you compare that to his rookie year, right, where he finished as a tight end four, he had 115 targets that year. The major difference it's not the yardage. They were, the yardage was only separated by by about 70 yards. It was the touchdowns. He had six touchdowns versus just one last year. So if he gets the touchdown usage way up, which could happen because they have more weapons, he can't get doubled now. It could happen. It could. I mean, imagine that weapon, Ingram, in the red zone. You know, the problem will be like, can can the Giants get to the red zone enough for it? We'll see. Right. We'll see if Jones is, is going to be the answer. Uh, he's got plenty of weapons. There won't be an excuse for weapons for Jones anymore. Like he's got them all. And so but imagine that weapon in the red zone, like Ingram against the, you know, they're oh. they're focused on Galladay and the other wide receivers. It can Dang it, Jacob Lay. I was going to get. I was going to take, that was my plan, was take Ryan Fitzmagic with the very last pick and would have completed oh, my whole draft. I would have been so stacked. Unbelievable. That would have been, nice. that would have been a great second. I know. I would, that, the very end. And you were, just, you were just trying to do it to be poetic. Yeah. <laughs> like well, and I forgot and I forgot about it last, last time. Well, uh, I forgot about that. So I was like, oh, I'm going to keep that in my back pocket. And yeah, lo and behold. I want to jump. I want to. I really want to ask in the thirteenth round, Travi, a big question here. But I, I just want to shout out uh, Paris Campbell if he's healthy. He showed us things that last year that could be getting going. It's just his third year. He's hurt all the time. He'll probably be hurt again. But if he's not, that could be the top dog and like a spicy top dog uh, for Carson Wentz. Like a jalapeno dog. Yeah. Ooh, cheddar yeah. cheese on it. Yeah. Um, and I, Travi, you know, you and I both talk about rugs all the time from uh, the, the ceiling-raising ability. Mims, we could probably kind of drop into that bucket a little bit there too. But you went ahead and took Ramondre Stevenson, who was the rookie selection in the fourth round for the for the, for the the uh, New England Patriots. And the upside, obviously, is maybe he's a LeGarrette Blunt, going to get you 16 touchdowns. The downside is maybe he's every other running back where they, yeah, they take exactly. Michelle in the first round and he's just getting out-touched by Rex Burkhead yeah. you know, or J.J. Taylor. Do you think no, that- uh, Rex Burkhead signed with Houston? Did you guys see oh that? No. Houston Texans, Houston Texans signed Rex Burkhead. Swear, swear it. Oh, <laughs> right, we're, not lie, we're coming to the end of the draft on this one, Travi. But I want to know what your expectations are then for Ramondre. And you are in a good position in that you get him so late that if he busts and he doesn't end up ever getting more than ten touches in a game, you're not concerned. But the but the upside is Legarrette Blunt, right? Like. What are you kind of expecting out of Stevenson or what would have to happen for you to be excited? And then what do you think is more realistic or what's the downside? Uh, there's a couple downsides. Obviously, every running back in history uh, has no um, Bill Belichick doesn't care about running backs. Bottom line, he just does not. Um, so there's that. There's the fact that Cam Newton poaches touchdowns. Uh, that's that's a little concerning. But we also have them drafting Mac Jones. Uh, Cam's hand is hurt. We could see something where Mac gets this job before we know it. I don't think that'll be the case. I think they want to work Cam in as much as possible and then ease Mac in. But I think the upside is truly there for them because if what, what you're watching Bill do right now is seeing the entire league and everybody in the AFC try to keep up with the pay, uh, with the Chiefs and shift their offense to score a ton of points and throw it all over the field. And Bill's like, no, I get my bread and butter by playing good defense. I'm going to beef up my offensive line. I'm going to add two stellar tight ends and block the shit out of the ball. And we're going to run it down your throat. And we're going to hit you with a hammer all game long. 
and then somebody's going to punch it in at the end. And I don't think there's any reason that it couldn't be Ramon J. Stevenson, big back, big guy that could, they could just use to punch in the, the goal line. And then we saw Blunt get, what was it, 16 touchdowns that year? Yeah. I mean, it was ridiculous. So um, I think that Ramon J.'s upside is going to be purely in touchdowns. And then if he, he shows flashes of being an all-around guy, well, then that's everything right there, you know. But I uh, love that take, man. I think that's, I just think I think that's, there's just so much there, and you're getting him so cheap. I mean, we we took him and I took him in my dynasty draft uh, or our dynasty draft, and and that's just kind of where I'm at with it. I just I think uh, he, there's upside there. Yeah, I'm kind of trying to work it out because I'm trying to make myself feel better about not taking him, and uh, I, I, I was, he's an exciting piece. I'm, I'm glad that you got him and see what he's about moving years ahead. So we're gonna jump in now to our infamous draft grades but we just did have two last rounds and i wanted to just get with 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 no analysis coming in just who is your take johnny who's your take travi in rounds 14 and then in rounds 15 of the shiniest piece or the guy that you're like ooh, that was a that was a nice pickup with a one sentence or less of justification behind that johnny in round 14 which guy stands out to you and then travis and then uh same thing for round for round 15. Uh, Ryan Fitzmagic, obviously, in in fourteen. If I had to do a runner up, it would be George, it would be Hawkins. I by Travis, that was a good pick. And then in fifteen, uh, it would be Michael Hardman. He should be. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, that Michael. one's a really good one. That was an authentic. Ooh, so like, nice job. Uh, in fourteen, I like Russell Gage. I know there's going to be some debate throughout the the weeks between Johnny and and, and Austin and, and I on on Russell Gage, but somebody's got to step into some of that target share that's vacated with Julio gone and Russell Gage. Where at that price, that's kind of a nice upstart. I'm going to pick my own my own pick again in the fifteenth. Mike Williams, man, twenty six year old, uh, still only twenty six years old, uh, big body, like just hasn't stayed healthy. That's unfortunate. Tied to a really good quarterback. If even if he leaves, though, where was he? Where would he go? Could he get a good uh, pick? So I just think the last pick of the draft, Mike Williams is a good one there. I like that pick. And I'm going in the 14th round to go with Johnny's pick of Antonio Brown, who re-signed recently. He had a great last game to the regular season. I think that the we stopped thinking so much about his infractions <clears throat> and his football is just coming to light. And that's that's good news for his fantasy. And then the next pick, uh, Nicole Hardman. I would agree. I think that's a freaking steal this late. Sammy Watkins is gone. He's in Baltimore now. This is the first time that's ever been the case. Nicole Hardman is that true number two, and he's got real skill. So mm-hmm. um, that's a, that's a freaking steal there. Yeah. Good job. Boys, we did it. We did it. Another freaking another freaking mock draft in the books. I love this data we're putting together. Uh, love drafting with you, Whisper Nation. This was a lot of fun. So what we're going to do now is we've got me, we've got Johnny, we've got Big Travi. We've got 10 other selections here, minus 12 total, but take out Johnny and Travis's um, mocks. We've got 10 people in here. And what we'll do is uh, each one of us is going to go ahead and evaluate uh, three a pop. Um, and then one of us will go ahead and take a fourth. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to go ahead and be that fourth since uh, I was the only one not drafting on this, but we'll each go ahead and break down um, three teams or four teams. And we'll say of those that we draft, like of the four that I evaluated, the three Johnny, of the three that Travis evaluates, which one that we thought did the best. And then Whisper Nation, you let us know which one you thought did the best. And then we'll have a winner. Love it. Yeah. And the winner wins. And that feels great. <laughs>
Yes, sir. All right. I'll, I'll start us off here. Uh, that's fine. I'll go with Jacob Blay, Fred Beasy, and Jay Blizzy. I'll take those first three off the board. So uh, Jacob Blay, number 1-1 in a Superflex Dynasty, takes uh, Patrick Mahomes, then George Kittle, DK Metcalf. That first three, man, that looks sexy as all hell. I love that. Um, then went with Zach Wilson. Interesting pick there, but I think he's going to bet as Zach Wilson to be one of the young guys with upstart. We've talked about how exciting the Jets are going to be potentially with all their new additions, new uh, regime in there. Uh, and to make up for not going running back in those first four rounds, he then makes a run at running back Sanders, Gaskin, Sermon. Fine with this. You have Gaskin in a win now kind of situation. Sanders is proven commodity when he's healthy. And then Sermon's kind of his upstart pick uh, for the upside as a rookie running back coming into that San Francisco offense. Adam Thielen, I think, is a nice, you know, win now wide receiver to pair with your Metcalf and Debo younger guys. And I think that's fine. You got a, probably a year or two more of, of Thielen, and he's definitely a red zone guy for Kirk Cousins, which cannot be understated when when a quarterback has that chemistry with a guy in the red zone. It's very profitable. Uh, Tony Pollard, I think, is another one with a huge upside. Alexander Madison as well, should something happen to Zeke or uh, Dalvin Cook. And then Sam Darnold, Hunter Henry, Ryan Fitzpatrick, much to uh, Johnny Chagrin, and then McCole Hardman here to round it out. Like this team, uh, it's the first one I graded, so we'll kind of see how it stacks up. But I, I think it's fine. I think for a dynasty startup, he built it pretty pretty decently by going uh, heavy in the other positions first, so that's fine. Uh, Fred Beasy is next here. He took CMC, and then after that wild run at quarterback, his second-round pick was Matthew Stafford. Uh, this is a guy who's been in the league for a while here. Uh, come, he's 33 years old now. Um, I don't know that he would have been my first quarterback taken, uh, but based on the run, like I would have probably taken one of those rookie quarterbacks over Stafford, uh, and then probably you get Stafford later. But you went with win now. You're going to get into the market probably for QB next year in your rookie draft, so that's fine. Travis Kelsey, Keenan Allen, uh, Tom Brady, uh, once again, pretty old at quarterback. Uh, Chris Carson, Robert Woods, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, then he got a couple rookies in Rashad Bateman and Elijah Moore. And then we've got Zach Moss, Darnell Mooney, Paris Campbell, and David Johnson. Like, I almost drafted David Johnson for three rounds. I, like, know. I, I, was, I kept being like, no, I can't do this. No, I can't do this. Well, he Fred took him here, and there's really not a lot to say that David Johnson shouldn't get a crack at all the volume. The problem is, will there be enough volume? He was fine last year, but going in the 14th round for a starting running back, that's pretty dang good. Uh, Naheem Hines. So, you know, maybe you burn him for four games, but at that price, like, you'll be able to drop him after the four games anyway. So, um. As it stacks up here, I, I just like Mahomes just moves the needle for me and, and CMC just doesn't move it enough. I, I think they lock up at tight end here, but we'll see. Uh, so then Jay Blizzy's next. He took Josh Allen, listener, listener league champion. Jay Blizzy takes Josh Allen with his first pick. We talked about Cam Akers, then Justin Jefferson and Godwin as his two first uh, wide receivers. We were talking about Dobbins, but as your second running back here in a dynasty startup, you've got some room to grow. I don't mind it. Uh, T Higgins, we talked about him as well. Uh, with the Cincinnati offense that could be humming Deshaun Watson. And then as a, as a hedge for Deshaun Watson, maybe the bridge gap for Watson's woes right now uh, is Kirk cousins, which I think is fine. And also Derek Carr here. So I, I don't mind this strategy took Noah Fant. We know he's a, an upside guy and then will fuller here in Miami. So, that wide receiving core looking pretty dangerous here for Jay Blizzy. Then Devin Singletary, followed by Jared Goff, Russell Gage, who we talked about, and Salvin Ahmed. Salvin Ahmed looking like the handcuff to Miles Gaskin this year, which what a crazy running back room that is. Um, jokes. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Uh, I think 
I think I got to give it to Blizzy here. I think he's got the combo of quarterback, running back, and wide receiver across the board. And then he took an upside tight end. And so I think that's what all these things kind of stack up. I just love that wide receiving core right now. Justin Jefferson, Godwin, and Higgins. Uh, that's really nasty. Paired with a Josh Allen. And then he was able to get two running backs with big upside uh, and still put all that together. So for me, Jay Blizzy wins it out of my three. Jay Bilzi over here talking. He's saying he'll trade me Derek Carr, and he wanted J Rob because <laughs> he needed to have. I wouldn't do it. No deal. No deal. Uh, Austin, my next, or are you are you gonna do? Sure, these? I'll take I'll take the next four, man. Uh, Don right. Flick, what's going on, Donnie? Um, in the fourth spot takes Kyler Murray, number one, and they're they're number one in the Superflex Dynasty startup. Don't hate it, Nick Chubb. Great second round selection, still 25 years old, one of the best running backs in the game. Tyreek Hill, top three wide receivers, still got enough youth for a couple of years that you're looking at him being Patrick Mahomes' number one target. He can just do things that no other wide receiver in the NFL can. It's why he's been the number one wide receiver two years um, in his career. Joe Mixon and Travis Etienne is your running back two and three. I like Mixon. I'm not as hopeful on Etienne. I think that he's going to end up being more of a gadget guy for Urban Meyer and this Florida team, yeah, Smith, Waddle, Odell Beckham, and Curtis Samuel. A lot of exciting, sexy wide receiver picks. Not a lot of stability. Waddle comes in. Smith comes in. Highly touted rookies you expect to have big roles on their teams. But these are also teams that have drafted wide receivers in the last couple of years that you've said the exact same thing about. These are the best wide receivers that they have. They're also the most inexperienced wide receivers on their team. So it's ex- it's it's tough for me to say like you're in, um, given that these four wide receivers you got to play three of them, two out of this because you're playing Tyreek Hill. I like the upside, but I'm a little bit concerned by the lack of stability and the floor is low. Um, real talk. Um, Leonard Fournette then to go as your fourth running back. I actually really like that pick. Um, uh, a couple of Smiths there for your tight ends. I think one of those two is going to work out. Um, Cam Newton, Jordan Love, Taysom Hill as your second quarterback. You know, you took like a smattering of these quarterbacks. And the only issue that I have with these is all three of these guys might be waiver wire dudes. Like Taysom Hill might be behind Jameis Winston um, and is always going to be more of like a gadget quarterback. Jordan Love could end up sitting on the bench for a couple more years and then um, end up just being like a perennial handcuff or backup quarterback. And Cam Newton probably shouldn't be starting anyways. So I'm not in love with any of those backup quarterbacks. I see what you did there to grab a handful of them, but I'm not I'm not in love with those ones. Um, I would need Taysom Hill to land that starting job. If he did, he'd be in a good spot, but that's a big what if. Um, we'll see. Moving over to the Breezeway. A nice name. Uh, play on freeway. Uh, in the five spot takes Dalvin Cook. Love that pick. But the Najee Harris in the second round, I think it's a good pick. I think it's overvalued. I think him and David Montgomery have similar stacks to them. But we saw Dave Montgomery taken three rounds later. Um, but I still do like Najee Harris. I would have taken Cam Akers, though. Still above. So I like the pick. I don't like the value. Um, Stefan Diggs, Michael Thomas, though, I like them both on that. Those are two very good wide receivers who are still in their 20s. Uh, Michael Thomas, obviously, you're dealing with the indecision at quarterback and what his role is going to be after his number one overall performance a couple years back. But then he gets to his first quarterback there in the fifth with Baker Mayfield. He'll pair him up with his second quarterback, with Carson Wentz, there in the seventh. Um, not a ton of sparkle from your quarterbacks there. You get him a little bit later, but you still do spend single-digit draft capital on these guys. I think Wentz is more likely washed than not. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he balls out. I hope he shows what 
we're all knowing he can do. Uh, but we'll see there. Mike Davis there is your third running back. I like it. He'll at least be the starter this year. Um, you got Mac Jones there as the uh, your, your, your up-and-coming quarterback. Not a bad one there. Bilicek went out and got his guy, you think. Uh, Brandon Cooks, Robbie Anderson, Jarvis Landry, and Rodgers, rookie for the Packers, is going to be filling in your third wide receiver role. Robbie Anderson or Jarvis Landry will probably be one of the two to get it. Not bad, but not great. Um, Troutman is that tight end. Mm. Not a lot of positive stuff to say there. Darianton Evans to close it out. You hope that he's going to be the second running back for the tight ends, but um, it could end up being um, who they took sign uh, the the Mike Davis or uh, Brian Hill. Excuse me, other Atlanta running back. Um, so you, you don't know he might be the third string running back. Not a bad team. Definitely some nice uh, wide receivers there and some good running backs at the top, but little concerns there at the quarterbacking position in the depth spot. Um, moving over to the seventh in loopy data takes Justin Herbert with their first round selection, seventh overall and Devontae Adams in the second, that second round could be a steal. If Aaron Rodgers comes back, if he's not back, it's a pretty big question mark of what Devontae Adams projections are going to be with Jordan Love throwing the ball. Um, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, DeAndre Swift and Austin Eckler there as your stable of running backs, Elliott, Swift and Eckler kind of funny enough. I like those in reverse order. I like Eckler the most, then Swift, then Elliott, but he got Elliott first, then went Swift, then Eckler. Um, these guys all have really reasons to cap their ceilings, though, whether it's Eckler not going to be getting 20 touches a game on the ground. Um, Swift got a couple of other running backs in the room. Um, and then Elliott just dealing with some age and injuries. It, it, it doesn't have a limitless potential kind of situation. And you passed on guys like David Montgomery. You passed on... Antonio Gibson, um, guys who I don't think have such low of ceilings. Um, but if they're your guys, I get it. Moving forward, Amari Cooper there in the sixth. I really like that pick. I think that's a good one. He's still only 26 years old. Um, should be a great offense. CeeDee Lamb, I think, just helps. Matt Ryan is your second quarterback. I got no issues with him there. Cortland Sutton is actually a nice value pick. He's coming back from injury. He's 25 years old. He should be the number one with Jerry Judy there to help move the chains. I think it's a nice pick. Travi did a great job talking about Robert Tunyon and the versatility he brings to the tight end position playing and training with George Kittle. Um, I'm not over the moon about it. I don't think Robert Tunyon is going to be a, a difference maker for the Packers. I don't think he's like a, a Kyle Pitts or, or a, a somebody who's going to like change it, but I think he's really, really reliable. And I think he's someone they're going to draw plays for. I think he's someone you like to have on your team, um, but you're still probably looking for a, a crazy playmaker at that spot over the years. Tyler Boyd, Michael Gallup, Ruggs, and Davis as your fourth wide receiver. One of them will probably work out, and I think the, uh, the ceiling of a Ruggs or even a Gallup is actually pretty nice, um, given the, the late selection you got him in. James Conner's a backup running back, but there's a world where he does get real production. And then Austin Hooper in the 15th, I mean, they did pay the man. It doesn't look like he's going to be what they paid him to be, but there is room to still see what he's about. He's 26 years old. And uh, when they got him two years ago, he was coming in as the number one tight end. So there's still room to see what Austin Hooper is about, but you're getting him in the 15th round there for a reason. But overall, pretty good team. Pretty good team, especially the way you handled the quarterbacking position. Moving on to my final uh, draft here is Tom is Lav. In the eighth spot takes Dak Prescott. You're hoping that he heals from that leg injury, uh, the one that Tony Romo said was a cramp, but it was obviously more than that. 
Um, so we need to have him bounce back. But if he does, you have no problem taking him there at the eighth. You do need him to perform, though, because that's still a pretty early on selection for taking a guy coming off of such a significant injury. Alvin Kamara there in the second round. He's still 25 years old. We know he's got a lot of use, but they don't really overload him. The big question, obviously, is going to be what does Alvin Kamara's end-of-season production look like without Drew Brees behind center? The man is legit. He's real. They know this. Sean Payton does. But it's a first time. So we'll just see. Um, We'll see. But I like that selection a lot. No shade on there. Just kind of a let's uh, let's see what he's about. Calvin really in the third, I think, is a steal. I think this is one of the best picks of the draft. Last year as the as the number one, even with Julio over there, but as the number one had almost 1,400 yards and nine touchdowns. So that's pretty nice. You like that. Darren Waller, Travis said, was his favorite guy in the fourth round. Should be the main vein in the passing attack for Derek Carr and the Raiders. Allen Robinson there in the fifth. I like that. It's a win now. It's a win later. He's still 27 years old. Um, he gets 1,000 yards like pretty much all the time, 1,250 last season. You like what Robinson projects moving forward with Justin Fields. Um, Michael Carter, not a bad rookie pickup there. New rookie for the Jets. Jameis Winston in the seventh. If he is the starting quarterback, the man can throw for 30 touchdowns and 5,000 yards. He's going to get you production from the fantasy standpoint. You just need him to be the starter and not Taysom Hill. Wait and see. Jerry Judy in the eighth, um, taken right there next to Cortland Sutton there. Um, Judy had a good rookie season, 856 yards, three touchdowns. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons to believe he's going to do better. So nice pickup there, especially in a dynasty format. A.J. Dillon, we all liked him a lot more without Aaron Jones, but here he is, and not a bad pick there in the ninth. Jalen Rieger, yeah, he know we got Smith over there now as well, but Rieger was such a highly touted draft pick. He's 22 years old. He's got explosive capabilities. We'll see what he does with Jalen Hurts for a whole season. Another running back, or another Philadelphia Eagle there in Gainwell. At the 11th, I like that rookie pick up there that late. Chubba Hubbard, kind of similar situation. Not going to do a lot with Christian McCaffrey there, but he's a good, talented running back, and he's a rookie. It's nice to have in a dynasty setup. Mims, Denzel Mims, 23-year-old wide receiver, second year for the Jets. We talked a lot about him this rookie season. He didn't do too well under Adam Gase, but so I wouldn't take that production with too much sincerity. Let's wait and see what he's about. Love that pick of that late. You get that rookie year out of the way, and I get to see. I think we get to see a little bit more of what he's actually about, and I think he's actually good. Um, Elijah Mitchell, the other rookie running back for the 49ers. Hey, you take a dice roll this late. And then Ben Roethlisberger is just a second quarterback option if Jameis Winston doesn't pan out. I think this is a good team. I think especially if, if Dak Prescott and Jameis Winston are both good and starting, this is the best team. Um, in my selection there, but you know, if I got to take my 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 winner on this one, I'm just not sold on Dak Prescott or Winston being in that being in that position this year. Um, and I think I got to go with Loopy Data for right. me. So Loopy Data's Austin's winner. All right, I'll wrap this up. I got the ninth, uh, tenth, and eleventh spots here. Slebo is uh, number nine, so he took Derrick Henry in the first, grabbed Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback, uh, De- uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Tyler Lockett as his main three wide receivers there. And the next couple of rounds, he paired De- uh, Derrick Henry with Aaron Jones and David Montgomery. We talked about how much we love those picks. He's got really solid through this first half. Then through the second half, he's, he grabbed Danny, Danny Dimes at the eighth spot. Logan Thomas in the ninth. I have some concerns there. Uh, Marquise Brown, Austin, uh, Austin Brown, 
uh, we talked about him. Daryl Henderson in the 12th. Corey Clement in the 13th. Uh, Caleb Ma or I, I just I mess up his first name every time. Mond from uh, Minnesota, the rookie quarterback they just drafted there. And then they also have Josh Kelly. This this team is okay. Like I said, he's more trying to compete now. I don't know if he'll capture it with the guys that he got. Uh, he definitely has some upside, uh, but I want, I'll want i move on to this next team since that was the first one. I don't know what I'm going to get here. Uh, Bro Cal 38 at the 10 spot took Russell Wilson, then Jalen Hurts, back-to-back quarterbacks. I like that. CEH in the third, really good running back to lead and anchor his running backs. Terry McLaurin as his number one wide receiver. Then he great. Then he grabbed Kyle Pitts in the fifth uh, as his number one tight end. Josh Jacobs in the sixth. Not a huge fan of Josh Jacobs this year or kind of moving forward. Uh, Cooper Cup, Claypool in the seventh and eighth to round out his wide receivers. You like that. Uh, uh, you got Ronald Jones, Melvin Gordon in the ninth and tenth. Mike Jacecki to back up the tight end. Kenyon Drake, so he, he paired the Vegas Raider. Okay, I like what he did there. I see what he's doing. I like that. Uh, Pat Furmuth in the thirteenth. Uh, McKissick in the fourteenth, and Nico Collins in the fifteenth. I actually do like how he turned this this uh, team out. It was pretty pretty good. Uh, it came together at the end. little concerned at the beginning, but uh, I like how he pulled it together. Uh, all right, and then Cat's Pajamas in the 11th spot here. Jonathan Taylor at the 111. Then he went on a quarterback run here. Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Tua Tungavailoa. Problem is, is some of the quarterbacks are going to fail, and you just spent a really high draft capital on on some quarterbacks that might not even work out. Uh, Jamal Williams, Kareem Hunt as your other running backs. Do you like those? You got Deontay Johnson, Michael Pittman, LaVisca Chenault, Corey Davis, and uh, Kadaris Tony as your wide receivers. You grab Jamal Williams down here and Tyler Higby as your tight end, which I do like uh, Tyler Higby this year, and Tariq Cohen. So overall, I actually think you did kind of maneuver this okay. I just, your team could have been super dominant if you would have just like, even if you would have went one of these, uh, you know, Trey Lance and Justin Fields, you just chose one of those guys and then went with another position uh, during those two rounds because we saw the the wealth of talent there. That's the only thing I think you could have won this draft if you would have done that. But I'm going to go with uh, Bro Cal 38 is the winner of my section here. I like that one now with yeah. my... Okay, so this is great. We got BroCal38, we got Loopy Data, and Big Trabby, you selected... Jay Blizzy. Jay Jay Blizzy. So those are the three selections based on our panel's evaluation, but that's only so much. Whisper Nation, you got to let us know who you think did the best job. Isn't that right, Jonas? You're going to go ahead and we're going to get these up on Instagram and let us know in the comments who you think did the best. And then make sure you're following us alongside on Twitter where Johnny drops the live rooms. Also in our Discord channel. Our Discord chat is where you can catch all of the information coming, all of the draft rooms, all of the live convos. Um, That's where the active conversation happens. But then the draft room links also come out through Twitter and we share our results via Instagram. So if you go ahead and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, you're pretty much going to catch it all. But then go ahead and so do yourself a favor, follow the Discord chat so you can catch just all the language and all the information coming your way. Johnny, Travis, we talked about we did kit. it. Make sure you pick up the draft kit. You get the pre-sale. It's just ten bucks um, up until July first. Um, Travis got the link for it in the chat there. Um, 
Anything I'm missing? Any final thoughts before we close down another successful mock draft? We're just getting started, you know, in this uh, whole fantasy craziness. And guess what? Like, Julio Jones was just traded the other day. Aaron Rodgers may hold out. We've got some wild stuff going to figure out in this summer. Uh, stick with us. Make sure you're subbed on all. And I just, you know what, honestly, I just want to thank Austin, man, host of the year over here, helping us out, getting those takes in. Really appreciate you, brother. Of course, man. Yeah, not only that, but join us next Monday because we'll have a special guest. Stepmom Warren will be on the mock draft. So make sure you join us for that. All right. That's it. That's all I got. We'll see you next week. We'll see you late next week. Whisper Nation. I'm Austin Sear. That's Big Travi. We got Johnny Game Time Hicks. We are the Fantasy Whispers, and we are out. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers. 